0: Hey everyone, it's Ashanti. Before we start today's show, I want to let you all know how much this community means to our team. We love hearing from you. If you've been listening for a long time, thank you. If you're new to the show, welcome. I've got a favor to ask of all of you. Too often, we get hate comments on Apple Podcasts. Our friends at Apple do a great job of removing the blatantly racist comments But unfortunately, there's nothing we can do about the ratings. If you love this show, and if you believe in our mission, it would mean so much to us if you could leave us a five-star review and positive rating on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much, and now, here's the episode. Welcome back, Brown Girls, Ashanti here, and we have another great episode for you today. I'm so excited to talk to Banyan Lee Gilmore, the State Media Campaigns Director for Planned Parenthood Federation of America. Banyan, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you so much for having me. Very excited to have you, very excited to talk about the important work that you do today at Planned Parenthood really diving into the attacks that we've been seeing on reproductive justice, reproductive freedom, abortion rights, and educating our listeners on how they can help fight back. But before we dive in, in true BGG fashion, we have to know what brought you to this work.
1: Awesome. Well, first, I'm a huge fan of your work and this podcast, I'm really excited to be here. A little bit about me, I am an Asian American woman born and bred in white middle America. I was born and raised in Kansas City, Missouri. It is where I still live today doing this work. Before coming into reproductive rights work, I was a journalist for 10 years. And I think my work as a reporter gave me a front row seat to the everyday impact that policies have on our lives. I was a healthcare reporter and saw the direct line between what happens in our state legislatures, what happens in our city councils and how that impacts our daily lives and how we go about it. And in the Midwest, that also means a very white dominant culture that sets the tone and the conversation and passes policies in that lens. And I spent 10 years covering those issues and decided to transition into media work for an advocacy organization that I have long admired and loved for the work that we do at our health centers across the country. So now I focus on state policy, state fights, as we call it here at Planned Parenthood, and the intersection those policies have on our ability to access
0: reproductive health care. What you said about how white men dominate policy, it's so true. And I want us to talk about what we're seeing happening at state houses across the country. You know, most of our listeners know the BGG is one thing that I do, but my full-time job is I'm the president of Emerge. We focus on recruiting and training democratic women to run for office. And we've had a huge focus on state houses and making sure that we're getting democratic women in there I love talking about Nevada, Colorado, New Mexico, all of those states are majority women in their state houses due to Emerge alums. And we see the impact that women have on the policies that come out. And in a lot of the state houses though, we're unfortunately seeing policy that is not the best when it's coming to abortion access. So we're only two months into 2021 We're seeing these attacks on reproductive freedom in state houses, and this statistic is crazy. More than 100 bills have been introduced in state houses in the past few weeks that target abortion access. There are so many reasons why state legislators are important, but this is one of the main ones. Can you tell us about some of the things that are happening?
1: Yeah, in fact, that number continues to grow. Today, when we're talking, that number is up to more than 180
0: anti-abortion bills that have been filed or are pending and and, in early February. And that's wild because I only saw that hundred number last week. Yep. So yep. we've seen almost another hundred in it the span of by one the week.
1: week. Yep, absolutely. Um, and over 45% of those bills are some form of an abortion ban. And so, you know, I think we're sitting at a moment where we are staring at an immense amount of opportunity and hope and change because of a new presidential administration, because of pro-reproductive healthcare majorities in Congress, yet our state legislatures do not reflect this reality where policies are made. I believe it is 29 states right now where anti-abortion politicians hold majorities, 29 states, over half. Um, And we are seeing a targeted attack on reproductive freedom, our ability to control our bodies and lives, because again, this is about power and control. This conversation is rooted in white supremacy and has nothing to do with the health and well-being of any person who needs access to healthcare. Let's Facts. be really clear about that, because yes. that is what you will hear these politicians wax on about, right? And they'll even co-op racial justice movements to talk about, you know, black babies and abortion, and it is all rooted in white supremacy. And the real question that they that we need to answer is who gets power and control of our bodies and our lives and our future, right? Should it be the politicians, predominantly white men, or should it be us being able to control that? And so these are the policies that are getting passed at the state level. Um, And they're not just abortion bans. A lot of these, the majority of these bills are incremental restrictions that make it harder, particularly on people with low incomes, women, people of color, immigrants, to access reproductive health care, basic health care, birth control, annual exams, cancer screenings, and of course abortion.
0: Everything you said is so true. It's about power and control. And so many of my friends, I've been seeing them active on social media talking about what's happening in South Carolina, in Texas. Can you take our listeners just a little bit deeper into this. Like we know abortion bans, but what are some of those little incremental changes that you talked about that they should be looking out for and as citizens, as voters, what is the way for them to speak up and speak out against it?
1: Yeah, that's a great question because a lot of the most harmful bills are some of the most wonky bills. And I think they're designed that way to. Uh, in hopes that people will disengage from the conversation. If you look at what's happening in Texas right now, on top of the 18 plus anti-abortion bills that are moving through their state legislature, the governor is about to finish a five-year effort to quote-unquote defund Planned Parenthood. And what that really means is Medicaid patients who Rely on Planned Parenthood for basic preventive health care. We're talking about birth control, cancer screenings, STI testing and treatment, um, basic health care. They will lose access if the governor continues on with this um, this defunding effort. And in places like Texas, the threshold is already so low for uh, the income threshold is already so low for patients to be able to be eligible for this health care. I think a single parent with one child has to make $196 or less a month to be able to be eligible to be on the Medicaid program. Um, And this defund is looming. If it weren't for an emergency court order just last week, Right now, as we speak, patients would be out of healthcare in the middle of a pandemic. But it's wonky, it's complicated, and it's years in the making. And so I think the question about what can people do to stay engaged is to pay attention, right? I think my biggest fear when um, the Biden administration was elected was that people were going to go back to sleep because we think that the problems are over. But actually, there's so much work left to be done. You mentioned South Carolina, where there's a six-week abortion ban moving. It is likely to be the first abortion ban of 2021 to pass. And inside of that ban, if an abortion ban isn't bad enough. I mean, this this abortion ban bans abortion before most people know they're pregnant. Um, It also has a disgusting provision in it that forces abortion providers to report rape and incest victims to law enforcement, even if it's against their will. And so what we see on top of the dismantling of access to care is a systematic shaming and stigmatizing of
0: patients who need that care. When I read that part in the South Carolina bill, I was just like, wow, they're really going all out and I wanna tie this together for our listeners before we move on to our next question. People ask at Emerge why we focus so much on state legislatures and yes, redistricting is a piece of it but it's the fact that we know that if these anti-abortion politicians, anti-minimum wage politicians, just anti-women politicians, if there's enough of them in elected office to the point where if they control two thirds of the state legislatures, they get to call a constitutional convention. And for me, that's something that I'm constantly fighting against because we know what happens then. We can actually see these things ingrained in our constitution. And it starts with the state houses, but we know there's always challenges to these bills and that leads it to the Supreme Court. In 2016, we knew the Supreme Court was on the ballot. In 2020, it was on the ballot again, but We do now have a Supreme Court where the majority of the justices do not believe in a woman's reproductive rights. More of the conversation after this short break. Need birth control, but don't want to sit in a waiting room to get it? Planned Parenthood's got you covered with telehealth birth control appointments by phone or video. You can talk with a trusted nurse or doctor during a virtual visit. They'll discuss your options and help you decide which method is best for you. A prescription will be delivered to your door, to a local pharmacy, or someone will help you set up an in-person visit if you choose an insertion method. Just like an in-person visit, your Planned Parenthood telehealth appointment is high quality, affordable, and private. Skip the waiting room and get the care you need when you need it. Planned Parenthood takes the stress out of healthcare and is ready when you are. Check out PlannedParenthood.com telehealth to learn more and to book a virtual appointment. That's PlannedParenthood.com slash telehealth. What are some of the things that you think we'll see coming out of the Supreme Court this year? And we had this conversation a few months ago with another member of the Planned Parenthood team. But I think it's really important for us to update the listeners on what's happening at the Supreme Court because it has changed so much in the year that we last had that conversation.
1: So right now, there are at least 18 abortion-related cases one step from the Supreme Court. And it's not just the Supreme Court. Under the Trump era, more than 200 justices were confirmed by Trump at all levels of the judiciary. And so courts are no longer a reliable backstop either to these fights. And that is the reality in which we are fighting for reproductive freedom. You know, I can never really predict what the courts are going to do, right? Like, I wish I had... (laughs) crystal ball and say you know that things will change or that we're going to have good or bad rulings I wish I could predict that but the reality is what happened in the 2020 cycle is that state legislatures the makeup of state legislatures and the politicians who were elected to office got more hostile to reproductive rights and as a result, we will start to see that pipeline, right, of bad laws becoming being enacted at the state legislative level. And those will likely go into litigation and then they will go through a pipeline in the court system that has really been stacked by Trump judges um, and Trump appointees. And so I think, it is, a, it is a long road. The work to fight for our rights and freedoms is a long game because we have to recognize that a lot of these things start at the state level and who we put in those state legislatures are very important and they are in there for years, right? And so we need years. to be able to keep track of the decisions that they are making about our own bodies.
0: This is such a good plug for me right now to tell everyone, if you're thinking about running for office, you should run for office because so many of these elected officials, one of the reasons why they're able to stay in these positions for years is because they go unchallenged. No one ever steps up to run against them and they just continue to introduce bad policy after bad policy. And we know, yes, the federal level is important And our listeners have heard me say this all the time, but it's really those state and local offices that have the biggest impact on our everyday lives. And we have to make sure we're getting good people in there to represent us. You talked about the Biden-Harris administration. So we do have hope because we do have champions who are in the White House, which is very important. So just wanted to ask you, what are some of the things that you're hoping for that you would like to see from the Biden-Harris administration in shaping federal policy around abortion rights?
1: Yeah, I I think there are some really concrete things that the Biden Harris administration and Congress can do to address abortion access. And I want to start by saying that, you know, Roe v. Wade is an important piece of law, but it does not guarantee access for so many people who are living in states across the country, right? Even under Roe to this day, millions of people cannot access abortion because of those incremental restrictions, because of things like the Hyde Amendment, which I'll get to in a second, And because there simply aren't health centers in the majority of counties in the country. And so I wanna start by saying Roe v. Wade and codifying Roe is the floor, it is not the ceiling. We need to keep Mm -hmm. Roe legal, but we we need policies that actually address a person's ability to access that care. And so with that, I think there are things that the Biden administration and Congress can do I mentioned Hyde Amendment because Hyde Amendment is inherently a racist and discriminatory piece of policy that forbids publicly funded dollars from covering abortion services. So if you are a person who relies on Medicaid and you need an abortion, you are on your own to pay for that out of pocket because of the Hyde Amendment. And because of the racist and discriminatory systems in which we live, uh, black and brown people, women, people of color in general, disproportionately rely on publicly funded programs for healthcare. And so we hope that Congress will repeal Hyde Amendment soon because this is a concrete piece of policy that will be able to address access and expand access For so many communities that cannot afford it for one reason or another. Another concrete thing that we've asked the Biden administration to do is to issue an executive order that puts a pause on the FDA requirements around the abortion pill. Especially during COVID right now, the FDA requirements and the Supreme Court actually just reinforced this requirement that people have to go to a health center to get. This medication. And we're asking the Biden administration to put a pause on that piece of policy so that patients can go to a pharmacy or get the pill by mail. And leading medical associations have already said that the abortion pill is one of the safest medications out there and can be safely done at home. And I think, you know, this is another access issue because I mentioned the majority of counties do not have an abortion provider. And so to require patients to try and find a health center in a pandemic, no less, to obtain the abortion pill is a major medically unnecessary restriction and hurdle for so many people.
0: I'm just kind of speechless at what you just said. Just thank you for your knowledge and just really this education and tying it all together. Really appreciate having you on the podcast. But before we go, have to ask you, the Biden-Harris administration, they're finishing their first four years. What are the things that you would love to have seen happen over those past four years?
1: Yeah, I think I mentioned two big ones, right? I really wanna see the Hyde Amendment repealed. I really wanna see FDA requirements that actually reflect the medical reality. And I want to see policies that really do address access issues, because when we talk about access issues and real policy change, we are talking about addressing racial disparities in our healthcare system, in reproductive rights. And I am hoping that we, that I see that power of the people continue. Um, If there was any silver lining for me during the Trump administration, it was seeing folks who were asleep at the wheel for so long wake up because that threat was knocking on all of our doors. And I hope in the next four years, we continue to see people understand the importance of their power and their voice, not only just at all levels of government, but all levels of society. Um, and that we continue to push for accountability and demand better of our elected leaders.
0: Anian, mean, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for everything that you do. And I hope our listeners enjoyed this podcast. The feedback we've been getting from everyone at Planned Parenthood is people are leaving after listening, feeling more informed and educated. So thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you so much to all of our listeners. Please take time to rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information on the BGG, check us out at thebgguide.com and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The BG Guide. The BGG Podcast is produced by Wondermea Network. You can find them at wondermeanetwork.com. Thank you to our sponsor of this episode, Planned Parenthood Federation of America. Care no matter what. Until next time, Brown Girls. Hey, everyone. There's a new Pineapple Street Studio show I'm excited to tell you about. Undistracted is a weekly intersectional feminist podcast hosted by activist, educator, and former host of Pod Save the People, Brittany Packnett Cunningham. Brandy will be speaking to the biggest thought leaders in today's social justice movements, from politicians and activists, to artists and athletes. So far, that's included people like Valerie Jarrett, America Ferreira, Soledad O'Brien, Tracy Ellis Ross, Jenna Worthman, and WNBA legend Sue Bird. Plus, she'll catch you up on the latest feminist news you need to know. Enough with the insidious distractions, the noise, the BS this new show will focus on what really matters. How can we create a more just world that works for all of us? Undistructed comes out weekly on Thursdays. So subscribe now on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite podcasts to join the conversation.